This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanesan in the studio with Frida Liu. It is now Tuesday, May the 30th, and it is five minutes past 12 p.m. We are entering uh, the month of June very, very soon. Mm. Another month flies by. Uh, but you know what else has been flying, Frida? BNPL. It's been an incredibly high growth area in the startup world. Estimated, uh, Some estimates show that they're expecting it to grow uh, from 2019. It was about $7.3 billion uh, worth mm. to about $33 billion in 2027. And that represents a growth rate or compounded annual growth rate around 21%, which is impressive to say the least. And this was insights from Coherent Market Insights. I hope they're coherent. coherent. Um, yeah. <laughs> data cited by TechWire in uh, 2021. You know when you say things were flying by, I, I see the money fly. You know that picture of that, that note flying off? Yeah. So uh, not to miss out on the opportunity, major tech companies in Southeast Asia have jumped into the world of BNPL. For example, uh, Grab and Shopee, of course, have BNPL options. I've used them. Traveloka allows users to carry out payments of their purchases from 1 to 12 months since 2018. I did not know that. Um, okay, we didn't, get to, we didn't get to travel. And very recently, Atomi, of course, has partnered with Amazon to offer BNPL a payment option for a single pouring customers on Amazon. And now that, that's quite a big partnership mm. for Tomi. And that's it, uh, local e-commerce or regional uh, e-commerce players like Lazada and Shopee have had their own uh, options there, creating part of that ecosystem. But for Tomi to partner with Amazon, that really does create a bit of oomph in the system. Mm. Uh, that said, Frida, given rising concerns that overall over household debt, cost of living concerns mm. and very Importantly, we're seeing starting to see delayed or missing repayments in BNPL. Um, the sector could start seeing some speed bumps to its growth now that governments and policymakers want to regulate the industry. Right, because last week Australia announced that it would be looking into new laws to regulate the BNPL sector as a consumer credit product, which requires BNPL providers to carry out background checks before approving any facility, as concerns about repayments have been rising as Australia battles high inflation. And the Australian government is now of the view that BNPL. BNPL should be considered credit since it has the same impact on uh, borrowers. Uh, but Reuters notes that current consumer credit regulations haven't been applicable to the sector due to the absence of interest charges. And that's the grey area ah. that we've been playing in for the last few years, which yes. is very... Um, it's very startup tech, right? Enter a grey area like right hailing and all these different things and then eventually make regulators step in, uh, which is, I guess, how all technology has gone over mm. time. Now, back at home, we're seeing similar concerns uh, based on bank, whether you're ta- looking at Bank Nagara data about payments and missing payments mm. or the chatter we've been hearing about, uh, from politicians. I think very recently, Tansri Muhyiddin Yassin also has made some uh, statements about concerns over BNPL. Uh, bank Nagara data is showing us that BNPL users are delaying or missing their repayments with the number rising to 17% of users. Uh, that was in quarter four of 2022. Right. Um, a year before that, it was only 7%. So wow. a doubling in the in the percentage of relative terms there. Right. And when we look a little deeper, as noted by Ringgit Plus, the users of BNPL schemes are many young people and low-income earners. Uh, according to stats from Bagnagar, two in five BNPL users are found to be youths aged between 18 to 30. Four out of five BNPL users earn a monthly income of less than 3,000 Ringgit. So when you take that data in mm. mind, Frida, we can see why some policymakers um, are a little bit concerned about all this. And if you have any thoughts around the concerns around BNPL, what the government can do about it, 
should BNPL even be regulated? Let us know on our U Mobile number at 018-789-8899. So today on EBB, on the back of news that Australia is looking to regulate its BNPL market, we're taking a look at the proposals our own regulators and policymakers are considering to better regulate the space here in Malaysia. And of course, how it could change the landscape of BNPL over here. Helping us with our discussion today is Vincent Fong, Chief Editor at Fintech News Asia. Vincent, welcome back. Hey folks, happy to be back. Mm-hmm. Always good to have you with us, Vincent. Now, before we get into the proposals that the uh, that that uh, propo- uh, there ha- there are proposals that and the framework has Ooh. been listed, uh, but before we get into all that and the potential changes for regulations, um, as someone who pays very close attention to the fintech world, could you give us an overview of the BNPL scene here in Malaysia? So, as you rightly pointed out, the uh, BNPL space is growing rapidly, right? Uh, between 2021 to 2022, uh, we're seeing new announcements of like new BNPL players launching almost every month. Mm. Somehow it kind of feels very similar to the early e-wallet days. Yes, every yes. month there's a new <laughs> player, right? But the question is like how many of this um, will kind of survive the long term? And I think the consensus is that a lot of these BNPL players were fueled by cheap liquidity and very readily available funding, right? So with the rise of interest rates, we see a lot of these BNPL players are struggling struggling to finance their activities. Right. In fact, as you guys know, the margin is quite razor thin. Uh, one of the players told me that one fraud case can wipe out the entire ah. margin. Wow. <laughs> so okay. uh, moving forward, I think, you know, the space will kind of calm down a little bit when there's a little bit less players. Right. Okay. So yeah. whether, you know, currently market mm. leaders or up and comers, right, who are the key players here mm. in Malaysia? So a couple of years back, I think one of the predictions I made was um, the key players, the big players moving forward are going to be the ones that have an ecosystem play, those who don't slowly rely on BNPL mm. as a profit margin, right? So like, for example, if you look at Grab, you look yeah. at Shopee, they rely on BNPL to whether increase stickiness or increase their use their case. Their features, for, not right. products. Yeah, exactly, right. right? So I think we are seeing some signs of that right now. Uh, for example, one of the Singaporean players that was quite popular was Hula. Mm. And then they've been uh, acquired by a shop back to be now part of a larger ecosystem. Um, split, as we discussed earlier, <laughs> has changed from uh, BNPL to Safe Now Buy Later. Um, and I don't know if everyone's aware of this. Faith has also discontinued their BNPL services as well. And then now they're opting for a more partnership model. So you can see how the model is evolving and players are pivoting uh, to, to more profitable kind of models. Vincent, can you give us a sense of how maybe mm. the Malaysian scene stacks mm. up against the region? Because mm-hmm. we are by no uh, by no mm. measure the leaders when it comes to BNPL. Mm. There are much bigger markets mm. out there and much well, much more well-funded uh, re- uh, countries in the region. How do we stack up against that? I think if you look at Malaysia and the rest of our ASEAN neighbours, it's quite similar because the players that are operating and the players who are big in Malaysia are the same players that are operating in Indonesia, right. players that are operating okay. in Singapore and Philippines. So it's not it's not terribly different in terms of uh, the scene here and the rest of our neighbours. Mm. Okay. You know, the Consumer uh, Credit mm-hmm. Oversight Board, uh, CCOB, was looking for public feedback on a proposed regulatory framework for credit businesses in Malaysia. So what is this framework trying to uh, address or achieve? 
leave. Mm. So I think it's very interesting, right? So the uh, CCA is actually seeking to house all consumer credit activities under the Consumer Credit Oversight Board, which is a task force that's comprising of Bank Negara, Securities Commission, and Ministry of Finance. So this will include a variety of business, which includes BNPL, money lending, leasing, factoring, and much more. Um, they said that the objective is to promote fair lending and responsible conduct by credit providers. I think it's a great move. Uh, because BNPL, as you discussed, as you mentioned earlier, is a bit of a grey area, and many might not be aware of this. And a lot of foreign players, when they come into Malaysia, they get a little bit surprised to learn that money lending is under KPKT, right? The yeah. of housing, <laughs> and that's a bit of an archaic law that exists uh, before before Malaysia was even Malaysia. So that was right, uh, an right. act that was enacted in 1951. Whoa. So you know, with um, a lot of this. Uh, a, a kind of responsibility now shifted to a new regulator. I feel that they are better equipped to enforce, they're better equipped to think about policy development because there are comments from p- previous players like, oh, okay, the money lending uh, kind of regulation is a little bit tricky for some of them. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember when BNPL first came mm. about, it started bringing attention to the fact that the money lending license wasn't under the MOF, <laughs> it wasn't under a purview of Bank Nagara, yeah. it was under the, the then housing ministry. Yeah. Um, so currently, non-bank providers, we've just discussed this, mm. are not regulated under BNM. Instead, mm. It's under the purview of the Ministry of Local Government and Development mm. or the Ministry of Domestic Trade and Cost of Living. Mm. And obviously, there's a few permutations mm. with ministries being changed. Um, this, All this now, will mm. now, as we mentioned, will be now placed under the CCOB. Mm. Vincent, any thoughts on this and the potential timeline we could mm. be looking at? So I think one important distinction is that, yes, uh, KPKT does regulate money lending, but that does not encompass BMPL. Mm. Um, So there's still a grey area that's unregulated. In fact, this is why I appreciate that there's some clarity in this because there were some players that's um, going out there to say, oh, now we're regulated because we have a money lending Mm licence, which is untrue Mm. and a little bit misleading. Um, So to answer your question, the uh, they're looking to table this in the parliament by end of the year. Uh, in the, if the act passes by the first phase, they are looking to regulate all these activities. And then in phase two, then they're looking to house the KPKT kind of areas under the CCOB. Uh, by phase three, which is uh, 2020, 2030 onwards, then they will look at the overall uh, regulatory architecture and to see how, how to move forward from there. Yeah, and we'll, uh, Vincent, we're going to get into some of those details, including different financial requirements sure. for players in the space. Uh, on the back of news that Australia is looking to regulate its BNPL market, we're exploring proposals made by Malaysian regulators and policy makers to better regulate the space here in Malaysia. Let us know what you think. Do you think BNPL should be regulated here in Malaysia? You can let us know on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899. Or as always, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. I'm Roshan Kandison with Frida Liu. And here is Brenda and the tabulations with Walk On It here on BFM 89.9. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanesan with Frida Liu in the studio this afternoon. If you've just joined us on the back of news that Australia is looking to regulate its BNPL market, we're taking a look at the proposals our own regulators and policymakers uh, have put forward to better regulate the space here in Malaysia and how it could potentially affect the landscape. Helping us with our discussion today is Vincent Fung, Chief Editor at Fintech News Asia. Um, 
we do have a tweet, but I cannot see it right okay. now. It says, okay, from... Uh, okay, we're all both testing there our eyes we. here. 2263. Yeah. <laughs> it says, yes, BNPL must be regulated because Malaysia's household debt to GDP is one of the highest in the region. And this is the grey area we're talking about here because it's technically not debt, um, but it mm. acts and feels like it, right? It mm. weighs on that. So that's mm. why... Um, that's why now we're looking at regulation to get to step <laughs> yeah. into the space. Um, Vincent, uh, we were talking earlier about the aims and and what the uh, the credit the credit consumer credit uh, office uh, yeah. oversight CCOB. board is going yeah. to be looking at. Right, right. so CCOB. Yeah. Uh, one of the things they're looking at is to mm. put this all under the CCOB right. as in terms of regulation going forward. Mm. One of the particular things they're looking mm. at one is to increase the financial requirements needed. Mm. And we're looking at the proposal pushing forward a minimum of 2 million ringgit in shareholders' funds needed. Um, have you heard any feedback from the industry on this proposal? Sure. But before that, you know you know what they say, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a duck. <laughs> um, you know, as usual, when it comes to this kind of requirements, the smaller players will say, yeah, it's a little bit too high. Mm. And the bigger players, I think, to some degree, they, they like it to be a li- little bit higher yeah. so that there's a little bit of barrier to entry. Uh, I can't really tell whether it's the right amount, but my instinct is that two million is not an absurd amount. Nice. If you want to get involved right. in, you know, essentially credit yeah. uh, lending facilities yeah. and people having yeah. to owe you money, yeah. um, you should have some kind of reserves mm. to yeah. keep that going, right? Mm. You should have some, yeah, some kind of financial standing. And two million doesn't seem excessive. It's, you know? it's not excessive, yeah. right? Uh, not 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 something I have in my bank account, but not not too excessive. <laughs> you know, I guess if you're an organization. Now, the the CCOB is also seeking to ensure that advertisements and promotional mm. material on credit or credit services are clear and not deceptive. And also, personally, in your mm. observations of industry players and practices, have you mm. seen or heard anything with regard to this to mm. make it a, a key concern? I mean, if there's any players that's concerned about misleading ads, then I think I'd be really concerned about those players. <laughs> but in general, I don't think I've seen very major misconducts. But right. there has been some degree of misleading ads. Um, I think there was one that said that, you know, there's no interest to this, when what they really meant was there's no compounding interest, which is... Two very different things, right? Um, I think there's also a specific segment within the proposed act that says that um, the credit service providers, which includes BNPLs, uh, must not adopt aggressive tactics. And I think that needs to be a little bit more clearly defined because there are some messaging that I think can be perceived as aggressive, but I'm not sure whether the regulator would consider it as aggressive and how they uh, police the, the, the marketing language use is, is something that mm. I'm wondering. Yeah, because that's a, going to be an interesting area because right? this is not just about BNPL. This is mm. a lot of consumer of us, credit yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and are we, are we going to start seeing maybe some clampdowns mm. on things like mm. rewards, cashbacks, things like mm. that? Because uh, is that aggressive? Is that aggressively trying to acquire mm. a customer by giving them something? Mm. Um, because a lot of this is the selling the idea of don't worry about it yeah. you know you can use this credit facility yeah. to help you mm. uh, don't worry about the bill mm. you can pay it over time mm. not thinking about the different fees or mm. interest payments that could be whether it is BNPL or other mm. forms of credit out there um, credit providers will also or could also need to conduct affordability assessments on consumers that's something else that the framework has mm. proposed mm. Um, do you have any insights as to how this could be conducted and practices are we talking about mm. linking up with BNM the bureaus mm. out there the credit bureaus? So I mean, for the more traditional players like the money lenders, leasing, factoring, um, will be more traditional ways of like linking up with the credit bureaus as you say. 
Um, I think one thing that the CCOB is cognizant of is that the BMPL business model is a little bit different. Mm. Uh, so in, even in releasing the uh, second consultation paper uh, earlier this year, they said that there is a second part to the second consultation yeah. paper, okay. which comes out after they do a few more industry engagement with okay. the BMPL uh, players to understand how to do the credit assessment. Um, if BNM's kind of regulatory approach to think of thinking is anything to go by, I suppose there'll be a certain degree of proportionality to how uh, they approach the credit assessment. I would imagine like maybe under a certain amount, there's no need for assessment. After a certain as- amount, right. assessment is needed. But of course, I'm just speculating. All right. A- any other proposed key changes to highlight? Um, so I think, as you guys rightly pointed out, is that it's not... Uh, a single regulatory uh, framework that's just mm. looking at BMPL, right? This is a very big move from Malaysia. Now, unlike the previous recent regulatory initiative, this is a whole new act that we're trying to push through in Parliament. The previous initiatives were all still existing within the previous laws. Uh, so, you know, to see a formation of a new regulatory body would be quite interesting to see how uh, this would shape the landscape would be quite interesting. When this is enacted, they said that credit service providers will be granted a six months grace period uh, before they need to comply and, and, and seek authorization from the new regulator. They also said that uh, the CCOB would be a digital regulator. Interesting. Uh, not sure what that fully means, <laughs> but it's an interesting approach. And I mean, this is something that we are keeping a close eye on. Digital regulator. Yeah, yeah. I really is, is so. Is this a digital? Is this a regulator born in a digital first world, <laughs> or is it a regulator trying to regulate digital? We'll, we will find yeah. out in time. Um, but all in all, Vincent, mm. um, there are quite a few startups as we mm. talked about earlier in the session, uh, working in or around BNPL services and solutions. Um, how materially could we see this impact the landscape? Mm. You know, could we see some players mm. wave the white flag, get mm. acquired? Any mm. speculations and murmurings that mm. you've heard? So I think um, whenever there's new licensing, the normal thing is for companies to really reevaluate whether they want to continue in this right. market. Um, I think a recent example of this is the DEX regulation, right? So mm. before the enactment of the DEX uh, frame, sorry, not regulation, the DEX framework. Yeah. Uh, there were 40 to 50 odd crypto players in Malaysia. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, how many and, and are there? Like digital three. asset exchange, correct? Yeah, correct, exactly. So now there's like about three players, if I remember correctly. Mm. So I think the BMPL, the regulation for BMPL will have similar effects. Right. Uh, there'll be a lot of players pulling out, but of course, there are a lot of the larger and more established players who are already in a way self-regulating and when the regulation comes, I think some of them will feel like it's just kind of business as usual. And I think it's good, right? When mm. you have these sort of thing, frameworks in place as well, you'll, you'll mm. weed out the, the serious players sure, yeah. and the not-so-serious ones. Yes. Yeah, because if you don't have an ecosystem play, then you've got to be committed to making mm. it a viable <laughs> business model. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and if it's an ecosystem play, then you're featuring, you're, you're, you're a much mm. larger player mm. looking at various uh, features and products. Yep. Um, Vincent, if we take a wider look and just, again, mm. look to the neighbours that we mm. have in the region uh, and how they regulate, um, how do they regulate BNPL? Um, do you have any insights here? So I think... Um, just taking a step back globally, the direction from most regulators were always to self-regulate. 
but I think the thinking is slowly changing as evidenced by Australia who went from like, yeah, I think we can self-regulate this to I think we need to regulate this, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, I, Malaysia is also a clear example of that. Uh, Singapore currently did not regulate BNPL, hmm. but instead it relies on the industry to self-regulate through a set of uh, defined guidelines. Uh, in a parliamentary meeting, uh, MAS described BNPL as not a significant risk at the moment, uh, but the thinking might change around right. it. It's Singapore, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm guessing because Singapore is so banked mm. yes. that maybe it's not as uh, continuing a risk yeah. there yeah. as some more underbanked yes. regions like ourselves or so Indonesia, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. So interestingly, um, the Singapore FinTech Association I guess they have a BNPL subcommittee, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. They have engaged uh, Experian to be their credit uh, data provider for BNPL. So, you know, interesting approach. Have you seen anything else mm. in that sort of realm, whether mm. here or abroad, in terms of, mm. you know, uh, BNPL players proactively mm. engaging partners to mm. help the credit worthiness of mm. their business? I think a lot of them still rely on their internal models. I mean, the graphs and Shopee's, they have the data on the user, so they rely on that to determine credit worthiness. Um, but eventually, yeah, they, they would all need to rely on these partners as well. Hmm. Nothing else to add. All right. Uh, watch this space. <laughs> watch this space. <laughs> right. um, Vincent, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, that was Vincent Fong, Chief Editor at Fintech News Asia. And if you missed any part of this conversation, then you definitely want to catch the podcast available on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app if you haven't already. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast players All you got to do is open up those apps, go to the podcast section and look up BFM Enterprise BizBytes. Looking ahead, after the 1pm news bulletin, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay. Now, Synergy House Berhad specializes in ready-to-assemble furniture, but does not own an actual factory for manufacturing. Uh, It will make its ace market debut on June 1st. So Synergy's co-founder and executive director takes the hot seat and shares with BFM um, the purpose of the IPO, what they're going to be using the funding for, and also why they don't manufacture but are involved in the design and development of the products they sell. You can catch that after the 1pm news bulletin. I'm Roshan Ganesan with Frida Liu and this has been Enterprise BizBytes taking you up to the 1pm news bulletin. Here's Incubus with Wish You Were Here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app. 